if we believe the gospel, the life-saving, life-changing truth of the gospel, then that should remarkably change the way we live our lives. We no longer live for self, but now we live to bring God glory and to be at work for his kingdom. So we should spend our days with an eternal mindset, aiming to do things for eternity, to pour into our kids for their good, for eternity, to aim to share the gospel with others to impact their eternity. Man, what are we doing with our time? What are you doing with your money? How do you live? Do you, are you living in a way that shows that you believe the good news of the gospel? All right. Hey, ladies, this is Christy Young with The Gritty Gospel. We live in a culture that heralds like nearly everything is truth. And so we have to really put on detective hats to, that's how I explain it to my kids, to decipher what is real and what is what is objective truth and what is not. And so if a person genuinely responds with saving faith in Christ, our lives, once we meet Christ, interact with Christ, and he begins to work in us, we our lives will naturally be marked by some evidence. We will begin to bear fruit in keeping with repentance um, as a result of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So again, it's nothing that we do, but God, is, God begins to work in and through us then you can't help but notice it as you're, you notice it inwardly too, as you begin, your heart changes, your desires change. You know, do you desire to do his will and to work for his glory? Do you desire discipleship and ministry and evangelism? Or do you desire uh, to make your name known? Do you desire more wealth, more money? You know, I just feel like so much of what your deepest heart's desires are, they begin to change once you come to know Christ. Because I love you, sisters. I want us all to take a moment to examine our own lives, okay? So that's what this little section, segment is going to be about. Are you bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Um, Matthew 7, 20 through 23 exposes a sobering truth. Um, This is what that passage says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so here, this is what's sobering to me. These workers of lawlessness were false disciples of Jesus. Evidently, they had no real relationship with Christ, but they believed that by their actions in Christ's name that they would be saved. Um, the, The problem really was that their motivation to serve was their own pride. They were casting out demons. They were prophesying. They were doing the things they were doing really to attract attention to themselves as opposed to bringing glory to God. Jesus calls them out and they said, um, and they actually deceived them. These false disciples of Jesus deceived themselves and other followers of Christ as Christ plainly tells them that he never actually knew them. So Jesus is clear. Only those people who are actually doing the father's will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so man, sister, um, my prayer for myself and for you listening is that we would be people who would be doing the will of the Father, that we would take our time and talents and resources and use them for uh, kingdom-minded pursuits. This verse should sober us too, to help us to examine what is our driving motivation? Why do we do what we do every day? What motivates us? And the challenge to us is that in culture, especially uh, here in the South, southeastern United States. It's popular or cool to be culturally Christian. And so, you know, um, 
I remember when I was working, I'll leave this a little bit vague, but when I was working, you know, it was good to get plugged into a church because it would expand your network of people, potential clients. And, and so I do know that people, some people can view the church as a means for financial gain, uh, for popularity gains, socially, social gains. And so, but that is not a biblical mindset. That's not a biblical frame of mind. So, and in the culture, oftentimes we've substituted lukewarm cultural Christianity for obedience to God's command. Somehow we've, we have believed, and not all of us, but there is a thread in churches, a thread of people that believe that um, that we can be lukewarm and that that is sufficient uh, to be that is sufficient to be acceptable to God. Many people attend church on Sunday mornings, but there is no evidence of a life surrendered to God. So we've been led astray by a false gospel. There is a false gospel that's being spread, one that says that it's sufficient to attend church on Sundays and then lead career-centric, school-centric, self-centered lives the rest of the week. That literally we can go to church on Sundays and then all of any godliness, any godly practices, prayer, worship, Bible study, that all of that can be absent from our lives the rest of the week and then still somehow... Um, that we would be believers. And so my, my challenge to you is this. Examine your lives. See where are you bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Do you desire to study the word of God to know God more intimately? Do you desire to disciple your children? Do you desire to uh, be obedient to God's commands? Or is is all of that absent from your life, absent from your thought life, absent from your daily routines? Um, and my encouragement to you would be this. If there is an absence of those things in your life, man, get on your knees before the Lord and ask him to teach you and humble you and grow you and mature you in Christ so that you would desire those things and that you would walk out those things and that he would teach you how to do it and give you wisdom to guide you and establish your steps. He's so faithful to do that. In 2 Timothy 3, through 3 2 through 5, um, there's a list of adjectives that describes uh, people in the present age. And we are warned that people in the last days will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And can I tell you, that is something that is scary to me personally. One, that we're lovers of self and lovers of money and we're proud. That alone characterizes like all of us as people, right? And so, man, God is calling us to not to be people that would ask him for help to not be lovers of self, to not be lovers of money, and to not be proud to walk around as prideful people. But could we people that in, could we be people though in fact that would lay down, that would give of our resources, not hold on to them, but give them away? Would we be people that would put others above others' needs above our own? Would we learn to serve others well and better than ourselves to actually love our neighbors as ourselves? Um, and that requires sacrifice and giving. And then a heart that would desire for others' good, even if that means you will sacrifice. And so to me, Paul's words are so convicting, especially in the phrase when, it sa- when Paul says that people are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Um, I think that that characterizes so many of us in America. 
we love pleasure. We love some pleasure, love some comfort. Um, And do we, so my question to you, if you are a believer is, do you love your pleasure and your comforts and your lifestyle more than you love God? so that you have the appearance of godliness, so that you might go to church on Sundays, you might have your kids and youth, you might um, go out to lunch with your grandparents on Sunday after church, uh, but then the rest of the week, is there a, an absence of spiritual disciplines? Do you, desi- do you have time where you desire the Lord to know Him more, to read His Word, to worship with your kids, to disciple them, to look at, to be involved in ministry, whatever that looks like for you in your season of life with what you're naturally called to or gifted in? You know, are, is ministry on your, on your mind or is it totally absent from your daily life, your thought life, your rhythms of life? Because if that's true, that's concerning. Okay, one of the admonitions from Paul is that he exhorts us to examine ourselves. And so I think that we would be wise to do that regularly, not just once in life, but often, frequently, consistently. Paul exhorts each of us to examine ourselves and whether we are bearing fruit for God's kingdom, because that is evidence of true salvation. Uh, with If we're not bearing fruit, man, that should cause concern. That should sober us and cause us to reflect and to petition the Lord to ask him uh, to to help us to bear fruit, to be people that would bear fruit for his kingdom. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? So here's the deal. I think we need to do three things. And uh, we need to conduct an inward examination of our hearts and our minds and our driving motivation. What is your driving motivation every day? What gets your blood pumping? What do you live for? You know, what uh, do you do? And then do you desire to be obedient to the word of God? Uh, John 14, 15 says that if we love Jesus, that we will keep his commandments. Are you keeping God's commandments? Do you even know what they are? Are you reading God's word to even know the commandments of God? And then if you are, are you being obedient to the word of God? That's humbling and hard. And really, we all fall short in that. But man, that is something that Jesus makes clear that if we love him, we would be, we will keep his commands so that we need to make, you know, we need to make efforts to do that, to, to, for example, to love the, love the widows and to look after the orphans and to uh, bear up one another in the church, to serve others well, to die to self when we need to put others' needs before our own. Those are things that God calls us to, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And even though we faithfully fail at that, God is saying, though, that if we love him, we we know his commands, we desire to pursue and to aim to be obedient to them, knowing all for, for all of our time on the earth, in this earthly place, that we are going to ask for his help because we cannot do it on our own or out of our own strength. Okay, then once we analyze our, our thoughts, our inward thoughts, um, you know, are, for example, like, are we motivated by ourselves or are we motivated to bring God glory? Analyze your thoughts and whether or not they are Christ-centered, Christ-glorifying, or whether they are you-centered and you aiming to glorify you. Uh, one, just to see whether there is evidence of true salvation for you and for me. And so, and then examine yourself outwardly. We need to look to see whether we are exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so, 
the Holy Spirit will necessarily be working in and through you if you are saved. And you will begin to notice your desires change, your hearts change, the way you want to spend your time or your money is changing. Um, Even if it's slow change, for some people it's very quick exponential change. For others it's slow change, but there is change happening. I would ask you to examine where you spend your time and your money. What does that reveal about your heart? you know, are you engaged in ministry? Do you de- dedicate time to the study of God's word? Those are things that I would just wrestle with in your own, in your minds, uh, and in your own thought lives to make sure that in those areas, there would be evidence of true salvation if you identify as a believer and follower of Christ. And then finally, you guys, ladies, we've got to test ourselves. We can't, oftentimes, we will believe that our religion would pass the test or pass the examination, when we're in the quiet of our homes, when we're studying the Word of God, when we're consuming the Word of God, when we're in a Bible study where it's quiet and our children are in childcare, or, but once you put put yourself in the fires of the American furnace, put yourself out with sinful man at Walmart, in Publix, in Kroger, uh, at the at Walgreens, and or put yourself out in ministry with people who do not want you to be there, how look at how you respond what what does the religion of many women will pass examination but will not pass testing it will they will not withstand testing it's so easy to be kind and slow to anger when you're in your home alone but when you walk out into the furnace of motherhood in the backdrop of american culture and you see whether the work of the holy spirit is actually evident in your life as you interact with and deal with sinful people including your children it will reveal so much to you about your faith and then your response to it like for example if you go out into the culture and in the fires of life and then all of a sudden you're angry and you're sinning in your anger and your uh, response you're quick with your kids and all the things and then and you have no repentance over it man that says a lot but if you if you're going out there and you do find yourself sinning and frustrated uh, as you corral kids at Kroger um, but then man your heart is instantly soft and repentant and you see your sin oh that's such a good thing right and you get to repent before them and walk it out for the next five minutes and see if you can make it five minutes without sinning you know I just think that this we need to go out into the culture and test our faith to see what it's made of. It's kind of like when um, you get a piece of jewelry, you buy a piece of jewelry, it's advertised as gold, um, but then when you begin to wear it for a month, the jewelry both rusts and shows tarnish. You find that it was not what you believed it to be. So it doesn't matter for those of you who might say, I've been in church my whole life, or my dad's a pastor. None of that matters for you in your walk with the Lord. See whether your faith passes muster in the fires of American culture. Um, Examine yourself, test yourself, because the Lord certainly is going to examine us. My prayer for each of us is that our lives will become increasingly gospel-saturated, praying that the Lord causes the gospel to drive us and all that we do. It should change the way that we interact with our neighbors, the way we love and serve others, and how we teach, disciple, and discipline our children. In everything, as His image bears, we should point to Christ. And then that means clothing ourselves in humility as sinners who recognize our great need for God's mercy. And I often think that that 
Walking in humility is one of the most attractive things about a believer because when we really grasp that we are undeserving of God's grace, that we did nothing to earn it, that it's a free gift from God, then the humility we walk in is so different than the pride of the culture around us that it is beautiful to onlooking people, to unbelievers and to other believers because it's so refreshing and so different from the culture. And so hear my heart sisters. I love you. My motivation for all of this, this podcast and even the book that I'm working on has been motivated out of my own life experiences and those of my friends, my colleagues, my neighbors, and fellow moms. I'm humbled and grateful that the Lord has allowed me and my husband to see our own sin and hypocrisy so that we could make the best use of our time here on earth and to bring God glory. Um, There's such joy in living a life surrendered to him. If we believe the gospel, the life-saving, life-changing truth of the gospel, then that should remarkably change the way we live our lives. We no longer live for self, but now we live to bring God glory and to be at work for his kingdom. So we should spend our days with an eternal mindset aiming to do things for eternity, to pour into our kids for their good for eternity, to aim to share the gospel with others to impact their eternity. And then we no longer live now. The the idea that we would live shallowly for the American dream to make money, to obtain a house, to have I don't know, our dream car or fill in the blank, whatever it would be that you so desired prior to knowing Christ. Now it all fades into the background in comparison to knowing Christ and knowing what we've been called to and what our life's purpose and mission is now. So that ladies, it should be clear as we go out into the culture and as we live our lives and as we choose where to to allocate our time and our money and our giftings, all of the resources that God has given us, it should be clear that we are different and that we are on a mission that is different from the missions of the culture, the mission of pursuing the American dream, of living your best life now, of building your biggest, grandest home now, or buying the most awesome, fanciest car, I don't know, of being known uh, on social media, or of having the most likes or followers or whatever, all of that pales in comparison to knowing Christ and to living for Christ and to knowing that the hope that we have is that now our lives extend into eternity. So we need to be living for eternity now. We don't have to live with a short-term mindset of just an earthly mindset of aiming to achieve gains while we are here on earth. No, we now live motivated by eternity, motivated by impacting people in ways that matter for eternity. And so, man, what are we doing with our time? What are you doing with your money? How do you live? Do you, are you living in a way that shows that you believe the good news of the gospel? I just want to challenge you to examine your own life. If an outsider were to take a look at your life, would they know without a doubt that you love Jesus and that your life is being lived for his glory and on his mission? Or does your life look terribly close to that of the culture and the goals and the values and ideals of the culture. Some good questions to ask ourselves. Love you ladies.